0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week we're joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Love Does. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30am, 11.15am, and 5pm. We hope to see you there. Oh, I love it. That video got applause. That's incredible. Uh, have you ever had one of those moments before? Maybe like, you like went in for a handshake and they totally left you hanging, or like, you went in for a hug and like halfway through the approach, you realize this person's like not into this hug that's coming, or you like go to give a high five and they give you the rock instead. You end up like with a weird turkey situation going on. You're like, well, this just happened. I remember uh, a few years ago. I was meeting someone for the first time, and I'd been told about this person. I was really excited to meet them. And so I saw them, like, across the hallway, and I must have had a lot of coffee or something. And I just kind of came running after him, and I went to go shake his hand to say, It's so nice to meet you. And I totally missed his arm altogether and poked him right in the belly. (laughs) And I, like, half expected him to to do, like, the doughboy, like, (laughs) or something. So I just smiled at him, and I was like, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> and that was horrifying to me, but for some of you, maybe that wouldn't phase you. Like, you love physical touch, and you're totally comfortable with that. Like, just quick show of hands, how many of you in the room are huggers, not fighters? Let's see. Yeah, that's exactly right. Some of you, none of that would phase you. You could laugh it off. You'd be fine. But I can also see on your terrified faces that some of you... The thought of a bear hug is like the most terrifying thing you could think of, right? and maybe maybe you like weren't raised in an affectionate home, or maybe you 're just a germophobe. Any germophobes in the house today yeah you 're just straight up, not comfortable with it. And I want to pause briefly and quickly describe what we 're not talking about today. what we 're not talking about is unwanted physical advances. We wrote this message well before the news cycle this week and what we're talking about is about handshakes, hugs, and touch in an appropriate context. Unwanted physical advances are absolutely never okay. But how how important is this stuff? Like a handshake or a high five or a hug. With this series, we've been unpacking what it means to really love, and we've seen some pretty fascinating things about love, and if you want to understand love, you have to go to the source, and John puts it this way, he says that God is love, that ontologically his essence is love. If you want to understand love, look to God. And in the person of Jesus, we see something profound about love, and it's this, that love does. It's active. It's not passive. It serves, and it speaks, and today it embraces. Now, Jesus was often doing this in various different contexts. He would uh, approach people in massive crowds, and in his closest circle of friends, Jesus models for us a beautiful picture of when love does. But for a lot of us, I think physical contact is really Quite awkward. There's a study that was done that found that normal smartphone users touch their smartphone 2,600 times a day. 2,600. Some of you are checking it right now. I've checked my back, back pocket twice since I've been up here. In fact, heavy smartphone users check their phone over 5,400 times a day. So here's what that shows me. That our sense of touch is alive and well. We're always touching our smartphones, but when it comes to physical contact with the adults, the friends and family in our lives, many of us struggle. There's a Berkeley professor named Dr. Keltner who refers to the U.S. as a touch-deprived culture. A touch-deprived culture. In fact, he describes a study where they sat down friends in different parts of the world and observed them, in a cafe for a specified amount of time. And here's what they found. For this window of time uh, in England, these two friends at the cafe um, didn't touch each other once. In the United States, in that same amount of time, they touched each other uh, twice, but only after like an explosive, uh, exciting, some sort of uh, something happened on television or something happened in the conversation. But in Puerto Rico... Do you want to know how many times they touched each other in that normal conversation? <laughs> Someone said too many. hundred and eighty times. Now, that, that seems maybe crazy to some of us. And I'll be honest, a uh, hundred and eighty times seems like a bit much. But it shows how culture influences the way that we see physical affection. So why are we so bad at this? Like, why, why, why can't we help it when we see a baby, like we just go in for the cheek pinch, right? We can't help that. Or how many of you are like me, that you see a puppy, and it doesn't matter if you know the owner or not, you're picking that puppy up, right? I've, I've been asked to put down puppies more often than I care to admit. <laughs> but when it comes to the people that matter most to us in our lives, so many of us struggle. Why is that? Maybe you're asking, why does it even matter? Does it matter? It matters because you and I are integrated unities of mind, body, and spirit. We were created this way. Our spirit and mind are not disconnected from our body, body, and it matters because I think that a lot of us in this room experience, maybe even today, what sociologists call crowded loneliness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Crowded loneliness, you could be around dozens or hundreds of people and still feel totally alone. Has anyone ever felt that feeling before? And the thing that's really humbling is that could happen anywhere. It, it could happen here. It, it could happen at work. It can even happen in our homes. We're surrounded by people and yet many of us every single day feel terribly alone could the reason for this be our lack of touch our aversion to physical touch do you know that we actually have neurons in our skin that send impulses send signals to our brain that communicate emotion communicate intent professor keltner conducted a fascinating study to demonstrate this he uh created a wall with an armhole, and person one would put their arm through the armhole, and then someone on the other side, person two, uh, had to convey different emotions through a one-second touch. How many of you, this study would be your nightmare, right? Yeah, here, put your arm through this armhole. No, thank you. That's. Here's what they found, though. 60% of the time, the first person correctly identified the emotion on the first guess. 60% of the time through a one-second touch, was able to identify the emotion that was being conveyed. Now, he did note two gender-specific differences in the study. Number one, when the man tried to communicate compassion to a woman, she got uh, zero right. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, when the woman tried to communicate anger to a man, he got zero right. (laughs) I had no idea what was going on. So... Good luck. (laughs) I think Jesus was encountering people all the time who experienced this sort of crowded loneliness. In Matthew 8, Jesus had just finished one of his most famous teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. And then here's how Matthew chapter 8 begins. It says, when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So this was... Uh, Becoming a pretty common occurrence, these massive crowds were gathering, they were hearing of Jesus, so the crowds were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so here he is in the midst of this massive crowd, people of every age, every language, every tribe and clique, and in the middle of this huge crowd, look at what happens here in verse two. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing You can make me clean. Now, don't miss this. Because leprosy describes uh, really a slew of different skin diseases, diseases um, that could be passed simply by touching someone, and this was a death sentence in Bible times. Treatment was still thousands of years away, and this disease often resulted in grotesque disfigurement and usually death. But as bad as the physical effects were, I would argue that the social effects were as bad, if not worse. In the ancient Near East, a person with leprosy was declared ceremonially unclean, which means they were put out of the city. They were banished from the community. They were made to live outside the city gates. They couldn't worship in the synagogue. They had to wear torn clothing. They had to cover their face. And any they came within 50 yards of someone, they had to declare at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean, unclean. To put that into perspective, from here to the back of the auditorium is not 50 yards. Imagine any time you had to come close to someone... You had to declare your state as unclean, as if to say, back away. You don't want anything to do with me. You're better off over there. I can't help but wonder, in the ancient Near East, many with leprosy perhaps even thought, maybe God has abandoned me. Maybe I don't matter. And I'd venture to guess there are people in this room that have felt that same way. Maybe you went through a really messy divorce and you were sort of chastised and cast out of your community of friends. Maybe you're the child of an alcoholic and that's always been the stigma that your family's been known for. Maybe even this morning you walked through those doors wondering Has God abandoned me? Do I matter? Yet here's this leper right in the middle of this crowd. He wasn't supposed to be there. I imagine people probably even sneered at him and be laughed, like, what is this leper doing? Maybe they even gasped when they realized who was standing next to them. But he falls at the feet of Jesus and he asks for healing. Now, notice what he says here. He doesn't say, Lord, if you're... Abel, Lord, if it's within your power, if it's within your capacity, would you heal me? He says, what? Lord, if you are, what? If you are willing. Think about that for a moment. This leper knew that Jesus could heal him. But perhaps wasn't sure if his grace extended to someone like him. You ever felt like that before? Lord, I know that you're capable of this, but I'm not sure that I'm worthy of it. Imagine his pain as he's there kneeling in the dirt before Jesus. So how does Jesus respond? Jesus reached out his hand and, what did it say? Touched a man. Jesus touches this leper Can you imagine the gravity of that moment if you're standing near this scene? The one that would have to walk around declaring unclean, 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 who possibly hadn't seen his family in years, maybe decades. This Messiah, this rabbi, Jesus, reaches out and touches him. Can can you picture it? The gasps. People mortified. And all of a sudden, this leper saw himself as someone who was accepted. Someone who is loved. Someone who is worth looking in the eyes and saying, you matter to me. Here's Jesus stooping down, locking eyes with the outcast. And this is what he says. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. So why does Jesus do this? Why not heal him first and then touch him, right? That would be safer. It'd certainly be more sanitary, wouldn't it? In fact, just a few verses later, Jesus has an encounter with a Roman soldier who begs Jesus to heal his servant, and Jesus doesn't even go to the house of the servant. He says, your faith has healed him. So apparently Jesus doesn't need to touch him, right? He could have just sort of like done like Messiah laser fingers, right? Like, pew, you're healed, yeah. (laughs) Full disclosure, that's what I would have done. (laughs) Talk about laser fingers. He doesn't do that, though. So why why risk it? Why why touch him? Here's why I think it is. Because love draws near. Love comes in close. Love embraces. Michelangelo put it this way. To touch is to give life. To touch is to give life. What Jesus is doing here brilliantly is not just healing someone of a skin disease. He's giving him back his life. And verse four goes on. He says, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, so scholars have... All sorts of guesses as to why Jesus would do this. But here's my guess. Jesus knows his impulse is probably to now like leap for joy and run home and tell his family. But he tells him first, go to your place of worship. Offer the sacrifice you know to give. Why? So that he'd be restored to his community. So that he could worship again with and in his community. Jesus is doing so much more than just simply healing someone of his skin disease. He's giving him his life back because that's what love does. It doesn't sit on the sidelines. It's not passive. It embraces even when life is messy. Maybe there are names coming to mind even as I'm talking about someone whose life you'd like to avoid. You're like, I'm... I'll call them maybe when they get some stuff together, when they don't quite stomp on my last nerve the way that they have been, when it's a little less chaotic. But love steps into the mess, into the chaos. So how how do we do this in our touch-deprived culture? First, uh, I think we would do well to remember that we all have our own battles, Here's often the danger, I think, of gathering in the space like this is because we miss the gravity of what was happening on our way here and what's going to happen in our car the moment we get to our vehicle. Some of you this morning are carrying burdens that the rest of us could not even begin to imagine. Every single one of us has struggles that make us feel alone. Sometimes it's big things, but often it's small things that kind of just chip away at us, isn't it? When I graduated high school, uh, I actually led worship at a church um, in Detroit where I'm from. And uh, it was this really beautiful little community right in the heart of Detroit. And I I was terrible at it. Uh, I mean, I I sing like a drummer. and uh, (laughs) Sorry, Calvin. Um, But I would just lead kind of with whatever energy I had, whatever I could muster. And after a while, that just really started to drain me. And that was something that... um, That really began to chip away at my uh, my motivation, my my energy, my strength. But there was this woman at this church, and she was about a foot and a half tall, and she called herself Sugar Mama. (laughs) And every single Sunday, when she locked eyes with you, she would go, "Mm, "Give Sugar Mama some sugar," and she would just throw her arms (laughs) wide open, and she would give just the most glorious hug. And that maybe seems like a really silly example. Like what difference does a hug make? I'm here to tell you, I was I was able to make it through Sundays, I didn't think I would ever make it through because of that woman. Because of her willingness to lock eyes with a dorky, long-haired 18-year-old and say, give sugar mama some sugar. And I have a feeling that it's probably that simple for a lot of us. Maybe it's just being willing to carve out the time, to draw close. We encounter people every single day who are fighting battles we know nothing about. And they may be asking what the leper asked Jesus Are you willing? Are we willing to stoop down low, to look them straight in the eyes, to embrace, to hug, to bring close and near? It could be a student going through a tough season. It could be a neighbor that doesn't have a whole lot of friends. It might even be someone you live with right now who is just feeling isolated, and alone? What if we became known as a people who intentionally drew near? That we're willing to hit pause on the movie, we're willing to put our smartphone down, we're willing to be interrupted once in a while to draw close to those who so desperately need to know that there's a God who knows them, there's a God who sees them, there's a God who loves them as we draw near to others, we become the hands of Jesus in this way. We really, truly do. We live incarnationally. Are you willing, the man asked. Jesus was. Are we? Today, leprosy is curable. But I would bet there are people In our lives, maybe even in this room right now, that feel like maybe they have leprosy of the heart, leprosy of the soul, wondering if God has abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. And regardless of what story brought you here this morning, you need to know this. There's a God who knows you and sees you and loves you. Love embraces. Love moves. Love draws near because love does. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us with that kind of love, for not leaving us in our mess, for not waiting for us to get our lives together, to clean ourselves up, but for entering into the mess and chaos of it all. Thank you for modeling for us as an example of what it means to come close, to draw near. This rabbi and messiah who touches lepers, who washes feet, and ultimately dies a death on a cross so that we may live. Thank you, God, for loving us with that kind of love. May we then, as an example, may we love with that kind of love in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, give us the strength and courage to draw near. We thank you, we love you, and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.